Hello everyone, Pastor Cooper here, and welcome to The Midweek, uh, one of CFC's kind of podcast episode stylings in our CFC podcast channel. Um, This is simply just an opportunity for myself, Pastor Mark, and other guests to talk more um, from our Sunday messages or from other cultural moments that are happening, and to do so from a biblical perspective. Well, right now, um, we just started a summer series in the month of June, the rest of summer, in the book of Romans. And so we're going to be doing a lot of just unpacking more of what Paul is saying to the church in Rome and just some of the deep theological things that are there. So throughout this summer, we're going to be talking more and more about the book of Romans, unpacking some of those real deep theological nuggets that are there. And so we are excited about this. Uh, We might have some other little kind of episodes here and there throughout the summer. But I want to also say we have scripture journals and other journaling methods um, for you to use just to help dive into the book of Romans during this series. We're calling it The Simple Gospel. That's the book of Romans, The Simple Gospel, and how Paul really gives that theme throughout his entire letter. So, um, yeah, so coming up, here is this week's episode. All right, well, welcome, everyone. Glad to kind of see you. You are hearing us. Here you're hearing us, yes. yes. Hello, everyone. <laughs> it's Pastor Cooper and Pastor Mark. Um, again, we kind of been, our schedules have just been off a little bit over summer, which is actually a good thing, I yeah, would say. sometimes. Because um, life is life, and sometimes we need to focus on some other stuff and address some things, and so that's kind of been our, <laughs> yeah. our, our life the last month, I would say. Yeah, at least. Working through some stuff. Um, allowing the Lord to work through some stuff. So, yeah, but I think we're we're here at least recording. Yes. I think next week we'll be back recording. I think so. Unless the Lord it has other plans. It seems like week to week something. Yeah. We should not make plans. We should not make the plans. Lord, whether we go here or there <laughs> or anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a Dr. Seuss It sounds like gospel. a Dr. Seuss yeah. book. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. but, um, so it's middle of August in, um, beginning. In the, yeah, beginning yeah, I guess it August. is more the beginning, beginning. of yeah, it. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah. We need a little bit more yeah. summer. And there. today, technically, yeah. so it's a Monday, the 9th is the day that you married my wife and I seven years ago. Well, happy anniversary. Yeah. Yes. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly seven years ago. Wow. P. Daddy Mark was August the master 9th. of ceremonies. That was the day, huh? August 9th, yeah. Yeah. 0809 2014. Wow. Yeah. Also, might be our Wi Fi password. Yeah. Oops, I just gave that away. <laughs> There's some other stuff attached to the Wi-Fi If you see somebody so. sitting out in front of your yeah. house, just like, what's going on? They look like they're on their computer. Yeah. That's why. Yep, yep. <laughs> they wanted free Wi-Fi. There's other stuff attached to it. Yeah. That's not the full password. <laughs> but yeah, so seven yeah. years ago was when we got married. Right. We married us, so. And now yeah. you have two handsome young men. Yes, yes. So yeah, yeah it's been, we, we <laughs> Whit and I were, I was laughing with her. We went out to dinner last night. Um, my parents took our boys so we went to Spokane, just kind of hung out and had some dinner, and we were just reflecting back. And I was like, "Well, this is our seventh anniversary. This is the year of Jubilee. So that I guess yeah. that means we can not we can not to work, don't do anything. We can just <laughs> just enjoy our seventh year of marriage, right? And that basically what we do." She was we like, "Should have tried to yeah. touch your sabbatical <laughs> yeah, to right here." Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was like, "I don't think it works that way." And I was like, "Oh." Man, Dang. does that mean our marriage is going to be perfect this year? <laughs> no disagreements, nothing. Oh, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it means. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, it was yeah, we, it was fun to reflect back and think seven years ago, and yeah, that was that was a fun fun wedding. That day. That was so, a fun wedding day. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot. Yeah, I do remember that. And like at the church that I was working at the time, North Church, 
the AC had blown up. So like the week before was that massive windstorm. Right. A um, bunch of trees blew over and like power was out and the AC was all jacked up. They got it fixed just in time for that weekend of mm-hmm. our wedding and that Sunday service and it blew up again. <laughs> oh man. So we like had to like hit this sweet spot because our church was very, very hot. Yeah. Um, just our whole HVAC system was work. But I remember that was a hot day and yeah, a lot of people were, when we were doing our pictures and stuff, they were all worried like, he was going to pass out and all this stuff. <laughs> we did. We almost got arrested on the day that we took what? pictures. Yeah. We, we like, I didn't realize we broke into um, St. George's private school to oh. get our pictures because the gate was open. Uh-huh. Well, we followed somebody in who opened it. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. And then like this person came out and was like, I'm calling the cops. You guys need to get out of here. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa it's our wedding day. And he's like, I don't care. Like, this is private property. How dare you? And he like, he gave us the right act. Yeah. And so my brother and I, like, we were all in our tuxes and everybody, like the whole wedding party was there and a photographer. And uh, so my brother and I took the guy aside and like, hey, give us a half an hour and we'll be out. And he finally like cooled down. He was like, all right, you have a half an hour and well, then get the heck out of here. Who was the person that let you in the gate? So it was just somebody who I think was dropping off something at the school. And, like, oh, coded I see. And, I thought you meant and like. And they, they totally were in the right. Right. We just yeah. assumed like. It was like, it was just, open. yeah, like, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and because we had been there before for pictures and right. so we, I think we just were at the wrong place at the wrong time, obviously. Right. And this guy was not in a good mood. Yeah. So yeah, he was like, he was threatening to call the cops and <laughs> have us like escorted out and stuff. But That's funny. Yeah. So that was, that was seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. But we're here now. We're here now. We've made it. Yeah. And we're still doing years. weddings. Yes. You just had to do just wedding this did last one weekend. this weekend. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Beautiful wedding. Yeah. So it was fun. Good, good. Yeah. Is in Efreda, was it? Or? It was in uh, Quincy. Quincy. Because yeah. close. Yeah. Close, yeah. In a beautiful backyard and by an orchard and just a really great spot. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We're... We're doing the Lord's work. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and there's lots of cool things coming up in church. Like there's, yes. you know, we're kind of getting back to normal a little bit and yeah. heading to two services and yep. that's good. And yeah. I'm also really excited about this Sunday, just an opportunity for us to give to Bite to Go because yeah. that's a, it's a big part of what we do in our community and Bite to Go is um, just an awesome ministry that helps food impoverished kids get food over the weekend. And we sponsor Beth's Elementary. Mm-hmm. And so we help the students at Betts Elementary that uh, are on free and reduced lunches and just need a little bit of extra help mm-hmm. on the weekend with some food. And so we go down to, uh, we have volunteers that go down to Second Harvest Food and they pick up food and it's all bagged up and ready mm-hmm. to go. And then those kids get about four or five meals for the weekend mm-hmm. and uh, super helpful for them and for their families. Mm-hmm. And then we give it out and it's just a really great way to do that. And yeah. we're going to get an opportunity to give. So you can yeah. literally, you get to help one kid for $15 a month. That's, mm-hmm. that's a great deal, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Uh, for $15, you can help one student. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll get an opportunity to do that in our services in our service this Sunday. And I'm, I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah, and even because a lot of people listen to this podcast whenever. Yeah. So even if you're listening to this six months down the road, yeah. on our website, That's we always right. have links to give to Bike to Go. We've been doing it for five years. Right. Is what um, oh, actually almost six years, what Debbie mentioned. Right. For a long time. Um, and so we're going to continue to partner with them in this. It's just something that we do. So even if you're listening to this a year from now, six months from now, whatever, right. go to our website, chinifacearing.org. And go to give online. There's a link in that area to go directly to the Bite to Go website. Right. That you can then partner with Bet's Elementary, 
and that's who we're sponsoring and you can sponsor kids there. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's something that we'll always yeah. need to do really. Right. Because we value it and we see the, mm-hmm. the, the, the benefits of it. Yeah. Just from talking like Bridie was here this last Sunday. She's a mm-hmm. school counselor at, at Betts. She used to, she used to, again, just cast the vision that it really, really helps students yeah. be like able to learn when it comes to Monday morning. Right. You know, and even the rest of that week, knowing that they already had some, some food over the weekend. Right. Where sometimes that's just a, a stress on their life. And when mm-hmm. a seven or eight year old is stressed out, that's not good. Right. I mean, kids should be kids. Yeah. And so they shouldn't have to worry about where they're going to get a meal out over the weekend because they're not getting the meals at school because they get them breakfast and lunch and all that stuff throughout the school week. But yeah, so it's just cool to hear from her perspective too on how we can just truly be in a practical way of serving our local community yeah. in a need that is there. Um, so yeah, so keep giving and being a part of that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a good thing. Even and I would say too, there's some people in our church that sponsor people at bets, some kids, but they also live in like Medical Lake. Where right. they live, you know, and they are like sponsoring their local elementary school because they're right. on the program too. And they're like, hey, I live in Medical Lake. This is my community. And so they're also choosing that, which is great as well. Yeah. So if you live somewhere else where there's a, a school, a that's school like, near you. Yeah. Geographically. Go to that bike yep. to go um, website. That's unlinked from our yeah. website. You can pick from the drop down of the schools that are. Yeah. And I think know. if I remember right, talking to the director of bike to go, I think every elementary school in Spokane County mm. has a program. Yeah. Yeah. And some are larger than others. Yeah, of course. There's, yeah. Cause there's yeah. some schools in the Spokane area that are like, there's a lot of kids right. that are on this program because they're in hard situations. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's good to know that every school yeah. is just so that, cause what yeah. I, I say that because I think I'm pretty sure that if you live closer to another school, it'll mm-hmm. be on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is something going on there. That's good. Or maybe you say, Hey, I want to be the person to start it at that school. Yeah. You know, yeah. or I want to sponsor it. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, lots of times churches sponsor them, businesses sponsor them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you run a business and you're like, yeah. Hey, I want to, I want my business and yeah. all my employees to sponsor one. Mm-hmm. You can do that too. Yep. And you can even double up. Some schools have doubled up. So yeah. like they have a need for you know 150 students over the weekend that could get food just one entity might not be able to do that. So they have multiple. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can do that as well. Yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we're going to kind of transition into some of what we're talking about today. And that's essentially around Romans 12. Yeah. And this last Sunday we had Taylor Griffin, who's a Chi Alpha campus leader at Eastern Washington university, um, be a guest speaker and speak on Romans 12. He did a, just a great job. Awesome. Super, super good. Um, it was challenging, convicting, but also encouraging. And it's just always a good, and it's just, he was just straight from God's word, which was great. You right. know? Um, he did a really good job handling that scripture and I think just charging our church and as, as people of, of Christ um, to truly take what Paul is writing in that chapter and to apply it. And it's also not only the application, but the implication of like, okay, if we're calling ourselves Christ followers, that's right. then it means we should be doing this. Right. That's what's implied in Paul's writing that we should not think of others or we should not think of ourselves higher than others and, right. you know, be humble and just all those things. And so we'll dive a little bit into um, chapter 12 here. And I know that um, Mark, you guys were gone because you're doing the wedding this last weekend. Um, but this is one of your favorite chapters it is. In, in the Roman setting. You were, even yeah. when we were doing the, the uh, <laughs> scheduling um, a couple yeah. months ago through this, you're like, Dang, Romans twelve is going to be when we're gone doing the wedding. Yeah, and you were just like, ah, oh, and you're like, that happened like three years ago. And we did the uh, Samuel series, and that's right. I couldn't. I didn't on... get David and Goliath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we we're like, ah, oh, sorry, man. You know, 
Um, so this is your chance. Yeah, I know. All this right. is your chance yes. to kind of do some of that, some yeah. of the preaching and teaching in it. But um, yeah, I think, and, and Taylor talked about this too, um, but really it's like the hinge point of the of the book of Romans. Right. Where that's the big therefore, you yes. know, right there in verse one of mm-hmm. Romans chapter 12. But we want to just spend a little bit of time talking about verses one and two um, of Romans chapter 12, because there's a lot of key things right. that are in there. And so maybe let's just, I'll just have you start it off just right. to kind of just open it up about that. And I'll kind of add in some thoughts too that I've been thinking about with yeah. that and stuff. So good. Yeah, I do. You know, Romans 12, one and two has kind of been a life first for me, I think, uh, a way that I've chosen to live my life in Christ. And so uh, these verses are just kind of near and dear to my heart. And um, I do think they are a hinge point mm-hmm. in the letter to Romans. And the the hinge point is really, uh, you can kind of see it in the very first phrase. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. It almost is like how he starts every letter. Like, oh, wait a second. Isn't that how you start? your letters. Mm -hmm. So are you starting something fresh again right here? And I think the answer is yes. But here's what's really cool. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So in other words, here we sit at Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start talking about the transformational power of the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. But I want you to turn around and I want you to look back. I want you to look at God's mercy. And when you look back, Romans 1 through 11, you see what? Paul explaining the power of the cross and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's really explaining how we don't live in the law anymore. We live in the spirit because of what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection. So in view of that mercy, in view of this incredible, marvelous, miraculous work of God that we have in the cross and the resurrection, in view of that, start to live your life this way. Mm-hmm. Start to offer your body as a living sacrifice and start to live for Jesus. Just just begin to live for Jesus. And and he's probably, you know, it's been really challenging before, too. Mm-hmm. Like there's been lots yeah. of challenges about how do I really live for Jesus when I have no context of Jesus? I have and I'm a Gentile, you know, I've got no context mm-hmm. of Jesus, I've got no history of the Old Testament, and I've got you know, no under, the only understanding spiritually that I have um, are mythological creatures and gods mm-hmm. and, you know, the gods of Greece and the gods of Rome that are all false, but it's really the only spiritual context that I have in my mind or in my life or in the culture. And so Paul really is kind of ch- making this really interesting challenge about... Um, living a whole new way. And he, he says that we're now to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then this phrase, this is your true and proper worship. And I think that that's a big, has been a big point for me. I know in my life is just that what, what does it mean for me to worship the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think this is a big thing that Paul is talking about, by the way, that, that connects with a Jew and a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Right, so a Jew understands the idea of worship, and that verse that I just quoted that um, is is the Shema. Mm-hmm. It's what's the one thing God wants me to do? He wants me to worship Him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. That's what Jesus said, right? Mm-hmm. And the second one is the same: love your neighbors yourself. 
So um, this idea of true and proper worship has, in the Jewish culture, would have been something. Yeah, that's kind of like what we've what we're always striving for as a Jewish culture: this true and proper worship of of God. What does that look like? A Gentile would also understand worship. What does worship look like? Well, we see people going to the temples all the time. We see them going to the Roman temples, mm-hmm. the, the Greek temples, and they and we have uh, this this we have our own form of worship, um, but it's not holy and pleasing to God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. because it's all about my flesh. It's all about connecting with my sinful nature mm-hmm. in worship to this mythological God. And so Paul is really, this This is a super pivotal moment, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. If you're a Jew, you, you, you said, well, this is how I worship God in the past. I just follow the law, right? I follow the law and I'm good. That's I'm a good worshiper. And Paul's already addressed that for 11 chapters. Nope, that's actually not how it works. Um, you're going to live in the spirit now. You're not going to live in the law. And because faith in Christ is greater than following the law. And um, and then as a Gentile, yeah, I'm, I'm changing your worship too. I'm changing what true and po- proper worship looks mm-hmm. like in your life as well. Um, and it's it's going to look totally different. So what do you think about verse one? I think big. what you said is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's perfect. I don't have much to add to that. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that, you know, from now on, that kind of, in my opinion, that launches us mm-hmm. into everything to the end of the chapter. It launches us into this idea that Paul is saying from this point on, uh, I, the verses that you're going to see and the direction that I'm going to give are true and proper worship. This, mm-hmm. this is how we live for Christ. This is how we live for Jesus daily. And the first thing he says, which has just been a, you know, kind of a really key verse in my entire life, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I love this verse. Um, as a whole, it's great, but I also think it's kind of broken up into three kind of sections. And the first one is do not conform to the pattern of this world. And that's a big thing for Paul. And I think it's a big thing because the pattern of the world wasn't Christ-like. If the pattern of the world had been godly and Christ-like, then there would be no need for the direction. Mm -hmm. But since he's in a culture, the Roman culture, and he's specifically writing to Christians in Rome where, you know, here's the capital of the entire world. It's got every form of ungodliness that's possible. And why is that? Because it's wealthy. (laughs) Wealth, as James tells us, always, not always, but often leads Mm -hmm. to more sinful type of lifestyles. And I think that that has probably the case in Rome. There's probably lots of cultural ways that have been acceptable. Mm -hmm. Like if you go all the way back to Romans 1, right? I'm approving and accepting certain lifestyles and Mm -hmm. living that Paul said, no, that's, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to live a holy and different life for God. And so the first thing he says is do not conform to the pattern of this world. And, and that's important because we, we do live in a time where um, our world as well 
and the pattern of it does not follow Christ-like living. Mm -hmm. And maybe this was a big deal for me when I was a new Christian because I grew up in Las Vegas. And I'm like, here is the world. Mm -hmm. Everything, I mean, everything that you would want, every sort of way to just live in my sinful lifestyle. It's not called Sin City for <laughs> no reason. Right. It's called that for a reason because you can find everything there. The, the new mm-hmm. slogan is what? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Why? Because mm-hmm. we know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it probably needs to stay here because if it went home with you, people would be upset. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the world I grew up in. So this idea that I should not, as a believer in Christ, as a young man following Jesus, I, I should not conform to that. Mm-hmm. That's not the way that God calls me to live. Mm-hmm. Um, God calls me to, to be completely different and to mm-hmm. be holy and pleasing to him and to his word means something different than what I'm seeing in the culture around mm-hmm. me everywhere. Uh, and so that's the same challenge to the Romans. And by the way, I think it's the same challenge to every culture anywhere in the world, everywhere in the world, because all of us, every culture, every people group has its own, its own pattern, right? And the enemy of our soul is in every culture, right? He, he's trying to get into Brazilian culture and Japanese culture and Australian culture. He's trying to get into to it everywhere so that he can bring, he can, he can get us to live according to our flesh instead of according to the spirit mm-hmm. so that we will be more connected to our sin nature than to the righteousness that we have in Christ. Mm-hmm. As a result, there are patterns of this world mm-hmm. and the enemy is, is often leading that pattern. We mm-hmm. see this, this is a, by the way, this is a, uh, this is something that Paul talks about in other places as well. Other new Testament writers too, in Ephesians chapter six, Paul says, for our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And then verse 10, sorry, I kind of messed it up. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Like here's another like little look into this. Okay, that, that the enemy has a scheme. There, there's a pattern mm-hmm. that he's trying to present to the world that we would get mm-hmm. stuck in and be slaves to, right? how he talks about that and don't be a slave to your sin. Often Paul says that Mm -hmm. in first Peter, Peter says it like this in chapter four, verse two, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires. These are people that have now become Christ followers. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't live the rest of your earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that you might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. So we see this in scripture. We see this idea threaded through that we are called to be people that are not living in the pattern of the world. And... And that's a big that's a big part of the first section of that verse. And I think something that's good to note, and Taylor even mentioned this in his message on Sunday, is uh, the behaviors and customs of this world, the patterns of this world, 
can be hidden. Right. Um, totally like, like you mentioned hidden. some verses. It's oh, like, man. Hey, I'm not dealing with drunken orgies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not right. like in yeah. my context. Yes. But he, he, had, he said this quote in his, in his sermon of when people come back to church, which there's a, a trend of people coming back into faith communities. Um, there's, I won't say the quote exactly because he said it in his message and I don't remember it word for word. Mm-hmm. But essentially it's as people come back, it's going to be really hard for them to cons- like re disciple themselves mm-hmm. under Jesus because for the last year and a half, they've been discipled by either Tuckle Carlson or NPR. Right. And that's the truth of like where it's not like in our culture, it's not bad to listen to whatever news radio we want to, because we're in a, in a time in our culture where more information is better. Mm-hmm. We want to make informed decisions about COVID face masks, political things. We want information. Right. So we kind of follow the behaviors and customs of this world all of a sudden we're like being transformed right by Tucker Carlson we're being transformed mm-hmm. by NPR we're being transformed by whatever mm-hmm. new little thing is being shown up on our media feed from social mm-hmm. media and that's really scary yeah <laughs> is it's yeah. not like sometimes i think we think well yeah we're we're doing fine we're not dealing with drunken orgies i'm not being conformed by this or that yeah. or that but there's like this other vein of like quote unquote good things right but not great things yeah. that are now slowly shaping our hearts and our minds. Yep. And we're not being transformed, but we're being conformed yes. into what that media outlet wants us to do. Yeah. And I think if Paul was in our day, he'd probably be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's not good. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not good in how you yeah. guys are copying the behaviors and customs of the world. Right. And allowing that to transform you and not allowing God to transform you. Yeah. I think that's always the 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 thing that's hardest to like self realize of like, oh man, yeah, I spent four hours this last week listening to my favorite news outlet. Mm-hmm. I spent twenty minutes allowing God to transform me. Right. In the word there's a big in the like there's a big yeah. inequality there. Yes. In that. I think that's the the realization that we have to start to do now, like mm-hmm. in our society and in our church culture, and kind of call it out, yeah, and be like, no, that's that's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not a good balance to have. And, and I like that idea of the secret things. You know, I mm-hmm. think there's all kinds of things that we allow to just be in our life, and they're maybe not bad, mm-hmm. but we don't realize we have made them more important than Jesus, and as a result they become what we worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they are what we're worshiping. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that happens. I'm, I'm reading a book about Diedrich Bonhoeffer right now. And right in the, I'm reading the book right now in the time where, where Hitler is just beginning to come into power. And it's interesting. He's talking about that, that there were little changes that were just happening in Germany that nobody noticed. They were so minor. And so mm-hmm. at the time it seemed like, oh, that's a good thing. Like, yeah, we all want more food or, you know, but you mm-hmm. didn't realize it was all this work up for him to just get into power. And you're like, and now you're completely off track. Mm-hmm. And I think that can happen in our lives too, mm-hmm. you know, that we yeah. just let little, we let a lot of little things in. And I think that's the challenge in the American culture. There's so many little things that seem okay to distract us from what we're really supposed to be doing. And that's living in the fullness of the spirit and living in on mission mm-hmm. for the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a result, there's all these little tiny things throughout the day that have distracted me from 
being my true and proper worship, Mm -hmm. but they're just little tiny patterns of, of the American Mm -hmm. lifestyle. And those, and as I conform to those little tiny patterns of the, Mm -hmm. of the American lifestyle, I realize I didn't really spend much of my day to day focused on Jesus or what the Holy Spirit wanted for me today. There's a little quote I was, we were talking about earlier that I wanted to kind of share. So in a book, I just got done reading, it's a Christian philosopher. He's good. Interesting. (laughs) I I don't know if I agree. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes philosophy for me is a little bit like, I don't know, but um, he's talking about. Well, it's man's idea of how to do life. That's why it's, that's why it's counter to God's word. Philosophy. This is Christian. This is Christian philosophy. Okay. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, His, his methods are just a little bit different than maybe what I would, whatever. Right. Um, James K.A. Smith is who he is. Check him out. There's a lot of good stuff that he has written, but um, he says this in, in the context of like our hearts and minds being transformed by the world and all that stuff. Right. He says, virtues are learned and acquired through imitation and practice. So kind of like mm. what Romans is saying. Yeah. Um, it's like we have a moral muscle or moral muscles that are trained in the same way our biological muscles are trained when we practice like a golf swing or piano scales. He says, because if you are what you love and like what you are constantly doing, whatever the patterns is, um, then love is a virtue and then love is a habit. So he kind of works this like logical thing to that. And he Mm -hmm. goes like this later in, he says, so if you are what you love and love is a habit. So again, like the patterns, whatever you're doing, then discipleship is a rehabituation, here's a big word, rehabituation of your loves. This means that discipleship is more a matter of reformation than of acquiring information. What he's Correct. basically saying is we're always being discipled. Right. No matter what. Yes. Yeah. Discipleship is always said in the church mm-hmm. statement, but we're always being discipled. Yeah. Somebody's always discipling us and our hearts are always being and our minds always transformed by something, some pattern that we're doing. Right. So what is it that we're being transformed by? Right. I think Paul is again saying like saying that don't yep. let it be the world. Exactly. Don't let it be the customs of the world, the pattern of this world. Mm-hmm. Let it be Christ. Yes. And he, he says that in Colossians too about letting the yep. peace of Christ fulfill your hearts and, you know, be a part of your whole entire body. Clothe yourself right. with all that Christ is. Like, that's what we're supposed to be discipled by. Right. That's that's the end goal yeah. of it as we're transforming the image of Christ. Um, but I think it's always just a good stop point on that, on uh, verse two in that first little bit to be like, okay. What currently am I being discipled by? Exactly. So literally just stop and just take five minutes. Be like, what am I being discipled by? Yeah. And this is not the place to go into it, but like if we go just cell phones in general, like the biological connection right. that we have with just literally turning our phone up. Yeah. Like and just swiping up to open up an app. Right. Like the, the, the touch points are ridiculous. Yeah. And how many times that people who are not even mm-hmm. addicted to their cell phones open up their cell phones. It's yeah. plus 300 times a day. For wow. a person who says, I'm not addicted, I, this is not an important part of mine. Mm-hmm. But a person, and they're usually younger, that is more addicted, it's plus 1,200 times a day. Wow. They're opening up their cell phone and just opening up an app just to mm-hmm. check, just to see something. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely a pattern, a yeah. biological connection to also a heart motive and a head knowledge mm-hmm. that is happening. And that's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is interesting. I had something happen in my life recently last weekend when I picked Kate up in Montana. We went to a restaurant and uh, a father and a son who were from Europe because they were speaking a European language were yelling at each other in the restaurant, then ran out of the restaurant. And I was I could hear them yelling in the restaurant, but I was outside the restaurant sitting outside. They come running out the restaurant and they're literally in a physical fight 
over a cell phone because I think the dad wanted the cell phone back. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was the sons or the dads, but they were literally, the son was punching his dad. Wow. And the dad was trying not to get punched and not to punch his son, but to get his phone back Mm -hmm. and finally wrestles it back. And the son is punching him and screaming at him. And I'm like, hmm. Maybe, maybe the pattern of our world has yeah. gotten a little too crazy. Yeah, yeah. Which is why Paul says the second part: but be transformed by the mm-hmm. renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. And this one's a, a little bit challenging, right? Because we all think a direction, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's I think that's an individual thing. Mm-hmm. It's also a cultural thing. It's also a global thing, right? And it's also a spiritual thing. It's like all mixed in there because mm-hmm. our mind is a really powerful thing. Our brain is an extraordinary, mm-hmm. miraculous thing that God created and gave us and has so much ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what Paul is saying here is we need to activate that in loving Jesus. You know, we need to, we need to think about what we're thinking about because a lot mm-hmm. of times what we think leads to an action that leads to how I'm living. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have to think about that and we have to think about, you know, what, what am I doing and how am I, how am I giving my brain mm-hmm. and my thinking yeah. to the Holy spirit? How am I letting yeah. him just kind of lead me and guide me mm-hmm. and, and focus mm-hmm. my life in, in the right yeah. direction that honors Jesus. Yeah. That's where like that one philosopher I was talking about yeah. has a slightly different view, which I don't think is right. wrong, but it's just a different view where he says your heart is already loving something. So your heart dictates what you think yep. and what you think shows what you act on. Yeah. And so he kind of adds the heart as the first mm-hmm. center of like processing, which I would align to like ancient Jewish, um, you know, traditions right. and stuff like that. He kind of goes more towards that vein. But yeah, I think one thing too, and we were talking about this earlier, is um, it is very much important to have your mind transformed mm-hmm. and to be focused on Christ. But it doesn't just mean more information. No. It doesn't mean I seem to know more about no. this probably, one verse. We'd probably be better with less information right, if we were right, to honor right. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But it means like when I look at somebody, I'm viewing them right. with a mind like Christ. Yeah. I'm not trying to like evaluate them and have all this stuff of like, well, I know they're, they're wrong in this way and they're wrong in that way. And this verse is right here. And you have the whole Bible memory. I mean, the Pharisees had the immense amount of knowledge, Mm -hmm. but their hearts were far from God. Right. And so it's not just about knowledge. It's also about having a heart that has already been transformed from the love of Christ um, through the Holy spirit that then when we use our mind and enact it, like it's only, only pointing people towards Jesus and pointing first us towards Jesus. And I think that's where Paul goes into that whole long list of not only gifts, but just like, Hey, when you're like loving each other, don't just pretend to love one another. Like right. really love them. Yeah. You know, and just kind of like really hits them hard mm-hmm. um, and calls them out and just what's happening in the church of Rome. Yeah. That time, which seems like not great. Right. And I'm sure he would have something, some key things to say about the church of today in America. That oh, would I'm not sure be he would. <laughs> not great. Yes, I'm sure he would. His letter might be a lot longer. <laughs> it might be, it might be a 32 chapter letter. Yeah. <laughs> I was reminded in Romans 8, 5, Paul said, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit 
have their mindset on what the spirit desires. And I think that's what he's kind of hearkening to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think Paul does a really good job just like from a, one of the things I really appreciate about him from a larger, large scale, big picture theological understanding is I think he, he does a good job of helping us understand how our mind and our heart and our actions and our spirit are like all connected mm-hmm. that you can't separate one from the other. Yeah. They're, they're all connected in a miraculous, godly way. Mm-hmm that maybe we would call it the image of God. I mean, you know, I mean, this is what, this is what we have. And so Paul does a great job where some, some authors focus just on your heart or Mm -hmm. just on your mind. I think Paul, in fact, Paul does the most theological understanding about our mind needing to be in the right direction to our thinking. Um, And I think that that is helpful for us to know, Hey, this is, this is where we should be going. and uh, But it's interesting, this word transformed, though. Mm-hmm. It, it It's a word that means something's changing. Mm-hmm. It's like a butter, caterpillar to mm-hmm. a butterfly. That's the word here. It's not... It's not you're you're not staying the same. Mm-hmm. You're always moving a direction mm-hmm. of ch- to change. Why? Mm-hmm. Because the Holy Spirit's renewing mm-hmm. my mind. If the yeah. Holy Spirit's renewing my mind, and He knows all things mm-hmm. from beginning to end, was there at creation, will be there in the end, and knows mm-hmm. everything in between, and knows everything about everything, mm-hmm. then as I literally submit my mind and my thinking to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to get smarter. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that during the Renaissance, when we have this explosion of art, mm-hmm. explosion of science, an explosion of travel around mm-hmm. the globe, the pe- at the foundation of where people are at is this is life in Christ. Mm-hmm. They're desiring to live for God, mm-hmm. and they see God in everything. And it's interesting that in that context, where we see God in everything, is this explosion of of art mm-hmm. and science and you know, the greatest science scientist that ever lived, Sir Isaac Newton is a full blown Christian. I mean, he writes more theological books than he does science books, but mm-hmm. we never hear that. We never talk about that, right. but he does because he's, he's so mm-hmm. uh, enamored by just letting the Lord renew his mind and let him think about everything mm-hmm. about how everything on the planet works. And he ends up with an explosion of science. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and which leads us to the third part. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, yeah. when, when you read through this verse, will, will people use this or can they use this to say, like, well, if I do this, then I know exactly if I should say yes or no to this job or if I should say yes or no to moving to Rhode Island, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, like, because, you, you know, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to know the exact right way to live like my decision makings. Right. So is that what Paul is saying in this part? I, I think maybe a little bit, but mm-hmm. not completely fully. <laughs> um, I, I think this he, isn't the magic eight ball. That's not the magic verse? eight okay. ball. No, it's not. Um, I, I think, um, I think what he's saying is if I'm living in the world and I haven't let Jesus change anything in my heart and my mm-hmm. mind and my thinking, then I can't possibly live in God's will. It's mm-hmm. just not going to, it's an impossibility. But if I'm in this process of saying no to the world and yes to God, and I'm in a process of just every single day, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. what do you have for me today? What, what, what do you, how do you want me to think today? Mm-hmm. How do, how do you, what do you want me to stop doing and start doing? What do you, how am I living in you? Mm-hmm. Then I'm obviously on a better path yeah. to figure out what God has for my life mm-hmm. today. 
and what God has for my life in the future. Mm-hmm. So is it possible to figure out things that I should be doing today and tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's not the end goal. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's the challenge, right? The mm-hmm. end goal is to figure out whether I should move to Rhode Island or not. No, that's not the end goal. The end goal is to be like Christ. Mm-hmm. The end goal is to let the Lord transform you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, when you put yourself in that place, I think you are able to see what God's will is for you more mm-hmm. and more yeah. because you're in his word, you're mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's leading your life, um, and you do begin to see more and more and more, especially with the culture around you. Is that good for me or not? Mm-hmm. I gosh, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me I, I should be sharing Jesus with my coworker. This is what's good for me, um, and that over there, that's not good for me. Right. Um, and what's what's pleasing to the Lord, right? What's pleasing to the Lord and what's pleasing to me, and I start to figure that mm-hmm. out too, just because yeah. the Holy Spirit's leading me. And then I can find out this was be maybe the Rhode Island part, right? Mm-hmm. His perfect will. There are times where God does say, "Hey." This is my perfect will for you. I do want you to move to Rhode Island. That's where I want you to live. Okay, then I need to obey that. And we see that happening all the time. You know, that's where somebody says, God's called me to be a missionary to Uganda. Like, that's his perfect will for me. So we're going to sell everything and we're going to move to Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, but, and, and that think, changes everything in their too, life. In those, but it doesn't happen all the, it doesn't happen every day and all the time. It's just like, a, yeah. And I'd say too, like, when things happen, you go back to Romans eight. God will use all things mm-hmm. for His glory. Yeah. So even if you're like even bad things, yeah, like we you moved to Rhode Island, and man, this it's just not going great. Yeah, it's not like you weren't in God's perfect will and He's mad at you. Right. It's like no, you made a decision, and God's gonna use that decision for His glory. Yeah. But if you are being transformed by Him, you will see Him in the process. Correct. Of that decision and why you're in the position that you're in. Mm-hmm. It's not like God's like well. See you later. Have fun on that <laughs> yeah. one, dude. Yeah. You know, like if you are continually being transformed by God and you make decisions, mm-hmm. you're going to see the good in every decision. You're going to see how God is working in those decisions right. to bring him glory because you're going to be continually transformed. Yeah. Like you're going to, your character is going to be worked on in mm-hmm. those immense times and stuff. Cause I think that it, it is hard sometimes where like there is a perfect will. Like I, I, I struggle with that. I, for mm-hmm. sure. Of like, well, then if I make a decision, is it God's perfect will? Because I want to be perfect, mm-hmm. you know? And so I guess I guess to go back to what you said, like, yeah, there is maybe a perfect will. Like, maybe unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Like, so does that I mean think that I can make a decision that is... Is imperfect? Well, I think we always make imperfect decisions. Yeah, of course. But like, I guess unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So I think, l- let me say it like this. I think God's perfect will is where I'm, where God wants me to be. Like, where does he want me to be? And then just bloom more your planet. I think so. Perfect will to me is just being in perfect relationship with God. Um, and I think in our mindset, in our mindset, when we hear the word perfect, we mean everything is good, mm-hmm. everything is easy, mm. everything yeah. is um, <laughs> just. White picket fence, American mm-hmm. dream. That's mm-hmm. not perf- God's perfect will. Um, there are times all throughout Scripture where people are living amazing lives for Christ, and they're 
in a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're in a non-perfect, what we would consider a non-perfect situation. They're not even living at home. They've been conquered. They're living in another country. They're, they don't even have a life of their own, but they're living in the perfect will of God, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there are times we see that in the New Testament too. Paul and Silas are in jail and they're like, this is God's perfect will right now. We mm-hmm. just got the life beaten out of us practically mm-hmm. and we're in jail and now we're going to worship Jesus. And, and in that process of just saying, this is where Jesus wants us to be, honoring him, being on mission for him. I don't care that I just almost died for Jesus. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And we're just going to sing to Jesus and all of a sudden the doors of the prison open up and they minister to a family that in the end becomes the start of a giant church in Philippi. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, perfect does not mean every, there's no suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, uh, roses are jumping out of the ground right. everywhere. I, I mean, this is not what it means. I mean, that's a clear distinction. Yes, to be it made. means yeah. that I am in God's will. And what is God's perfect will for me? I mean, if you say God's perfect will for me is to go be a missionary in Iran, your life is going to be really, really hard, mm-hmm. very difficult. But you could say that's God's perfect will. And here's what's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Even though life is super, super hard, you're like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care because this is exactly what God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And so I can make it through. And mm-hmm. because I know, and that's the thing, it's, it's something you know in your spirit. This is what God told me to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's easy. In fact, I would say most of the time it's not. Um, you know, I had a perfect will for my life. I was going to be a pitcher in the major league baseball and I was going to make millions of dollars and it was, my life was going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And God said, that's not my perfect will for your life. Mm -hmm. My perfect will for your life is for you to be a pastor. So I gave that up. Right. So, um, we all have an idea of probably what Mm -hmm. our perfect life would be like. My question would be, is that what God's perfect Mm -hmm. life for you looks like? I want to ask a question. Like (laughs) if you weren't a pastor, do you feel like you would be living in God's perfect will? Yes, because it's what God told me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think, um, so if you weren't a pastor, yeah, like if you felt like you were called to be a pastor, but you're like, yeah. no, I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to sell cars right. or whatever, would yeah. you still be living God's perfect will? For me, I would say no, because it was something God told me to do. Mm-hmm. It would be the same as, um, if God said to me, I don't want you to have sex with your girlfriend before you're married. And I said, I don't care. I'm going to have sex with her anyway. Well, God told me what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he told me what his perfect will is for my life mm-hmm. and I'm choosing not to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, for me that, that would be it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what God has called me to. And so if mm-hmm. I'm going to live in his perfect will, um, I have to obey him. Mm-hmm. And for me, that obedience is here. Now, what happens if I mess that up? Mm-hmm. Like, what if I do something stupid and sinful and I'm not a pastor anymore? Then I messed up being in this perfect will, right? right? I right. did that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think we can do that. And, and to be honest, sometimes God may not call you to something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then if God hasn't called you to something like that, like he's called me to, mm-hmm. then it's it's up to you to find out mm-hmm. what what God is calling you to. Um, yeah. And 
And I think for some, that perfect will, sometimes God reveals it in a very, very specific way. And sometimes he doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just called to, I'm just called to continue to live for Jesus Mm -hmm. with all of my strength. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about... In every aspect of my life. Yeah. We'll kind of probably end a little bit on this thought too. Um, I'm thinking about a lot of times millennials, so my, my generation, a little bit younger. Just talking to a, a friend of mine who's 26, been working a pretty successful corporate job. He's just like, dude, I, I don't, I'm done. I, I, I just don't know like what I want to do. Like I just feel kind of at a dead end. He's making a pretty good living and all that stuff. Um, and so he's just kind of, he's not really a Christ follower. He's just kind of in this middle road and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the person like in that situation, um, I mean, what would, what would you say, um, for them to like find their calling or their will? And I think yeah. there's also a lot of, uh, I would say like, um, what's the a spiritual triage to know where that person's at with the Lord. Cause this, <laughs> right. this, these scriptures are really going to the Lord, but yeah, let, let's say it's somebody who's full on living for Jesus. Yeah. They just feel like, man, I just, I'm just not loving my job. I don't mm-hmm. like where I'm living. Like all that stuff. But they're like, man, I'm, I'm called here, I guess. Like I'm, I love serving like the local church, but I just, I don't love my job. Like all those things. Like what would you kind mm-hmm. of pastor them in? Well, I think that goes back to what I said at the beginning is just because I don't like something doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm not in God's will. Mm-hmm. So I think we all can in, at times in our life just be dissatisfied, unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I would go back to... Um, is that ruling my life or is Jesus ruling my life? Is my yeah. unhappiness ruling my life? Is my dissatisfaction with my job mm-hmm. ruling my life? Because I can have a really bad job, mm-hmm. but know that I'm supposed to go to work to be on mission for Jesus mm-hmm. and, and know that my first job is to help people believe in Jesus with my life. Mm-hmm. And the second part of my job is to provide for my family and everything else. And I don't like this job, but because the first part is such a passion for me to present the gospel to people at my mm-hmm. workplace that it's it it overrides what I don't like at my job. By the way, have as has anybody out there found the perfect job? Right, <laughs> I mean, right. you, it's, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So um, let's just drop that myth right now. Right. You're not going to find the perfect job <laughs> without okay. conflict. He, or without, he may say, well, the perfect job yeah. is me being self-employed. Really try it sometime. <laughs> yeah. You will hate it. Cause you're like, gosh, now I got to hire employees and do this and do that and do my own bills and do my own financing. And what's taxes for self-employed and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It will not be fun either. Um, so there's no such thing as a perfect job and there's no such thing. The only one who's perfect is God. Mm-hmm. And as we draw closer to him, we we figure out what he's calling us to, mm-hmm. um, you know, an illustration like your friend. Um, if he's not following Jesus, mm-hmm. he's he's gonna have trouble with the very beginning of the verse. Mm-hmm. So, right, um, right. so it nothing will make sense ever mm-hmm. for, for until you come to Christ yeah. and begin to uh, realize that my life is in mm-hmm. Christ. It's not in this world that my, my mm-hmm. life is about him yeah. and I'm letting him transform me. And, yeah. and when I do, God's will opens up to me. Mm-hmm. It just does the yeah. things I'm not supposed to do. And the things I'm supposed to do just begin to open up to me more and mm-hmm. more. Um, and I think that's what Paul's saying that God's good, pleasing and perfect will is just going to begin to open up to you more and more. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that opening up, it, 
I think we just have such a bad understanding of suffering in our culture yeah, totally. that we don't understand that sometimes God's will includes that. Mm-hmm. And because it's what's best for us and it's what's good and it's what we need to learn something. Um, but, uh, so that's another, that's probably another whole podcast. On its own. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. but when, when we've put ourselves in this place where Paul is talking about, I see all of God's mercy for me on the cross and the resurrection. I want to be a living sacrifice. My life is going to be devoted to be holy and pleasing to God. Uh, I'm, I'm following him by worshiping him truly and properly. I'm, I, I've realized I can't conform to this world anymore because I'm not part of this world. Mm-hmm. Heaven's my home. And I'm being transformed every single day by the renewing of my mind in his word, by what the Holy Spirit's telling me. God's will is going to open up for me mm-hmm. Yeah. in every area of my life. That's good. That's good. That's just the first two verses. That's just the first two <laughs> verses. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. And I yeah. think that's just really important because... Like as the whole the whole view of like chapter twelve is Paul is just telling the people of Rome like don't conform to how the Romans when right. in Rome don't be like Rome. That's right. Is what he's actually saying, you know. That's good. And so he's trying to tell us to transform in the image of Christ, and I think that applies really well into our yes. current our current political cultural landscape of America. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the church, like you said, we do a really bad job of suffering. We yep. think that like man, if you made a decision and it's not easy then that obviously you were out of God's will. Yes. You weren't tithing enough. Yeah. You weren't doing this. You didn't have enough faith. Yeah. It's like, no, sometimes yeah. life just mm-hmm. doesn't work out. Yep. But that's okay. We totally have that yeah. theology though, that yeah. an uncomfortable situation means that, that mm-hmm. God's not in it. Right. That is the furthest thing from the truth biblically. Yep. yep. Mostly it's when you are suffering. Yeah. Is in when fact, <laughs> if we look at all our biblical heroes, they're yeah. suffering. Yeah. And that's what we love about them. Yeah. Is that in their suffering, Mm -hmm. God did something really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, that's good stuff. And so I think, I mean, we're, we're, this is a longer podcast this morning, which is great. Yeah. Um, I think we hit on a lot of good stuff that I think questions that I always have, and I think other people have, and like my men's group, when we read through it and stuff, we just love to ask those yeah. Not devil advocate questions, but kind of like them. Sure. Like, what does this mean? Like, yeah, I need to know God's perfect will exactly like the magic mm-hmm. eight ball and stuff. So that's good stuff. So, yeah, well, that's that's our episode for, for this time for this week. And hopefully we'll be back on the schedule for next week um, with things. But, yeah, it's always a good discussion. So mm-hmm. gracias. Thanks awesome. for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you later.